let's take a snapshot view of the reality of learning and consider four different aspects. So this could be considered a postcard, a view of the landscape of learning in a modern organisation. So the first is a rapid iteration of approach. We're generally seeing that people are rapidly iterating the approaches that they take towards learning. And we're doing this not because we're being taught new ways in any formal context, but because we're learning from what other people are doing around us. So the chances are that the the app that you use or the site that you use or the approach you use will be influenced by the community around you. And we generally seem to be pretty willing to try new things with the caveat that if they don't work, we'll drop them fast. So this kind of rapid prototyping, rapid iteration of approach is very significant because organisations, of course, are very locked into heavyweight legacy approaches to learning. So if individuals are rapidly prototyping new approaches, where's the space for us to do that within organisations? The second facet that we could consider, the second picture on this postcard, is going to be the rapid diversification of technologies. So we're clearly moving into diverse ecosystems of technologies. The app mindset, as well as technology, has led us to realise that we don't need one dinosaur heavyweight legacy system. We can be effective through a very lightweight connection, uh, collection of interconnected technologies. So individually, we're tending to use a, a diverse ecosystem of these technologies, where the most important idea is that any particular technology is rapidly disposable. So if it works, we'll use it, but we can get rid of it fast. So our data is transportable between areas, and we can individually curate this diverse ecosystem. What does this mean for organisations? Well, it's a pretty fundamental shift. We already see from our own research that people tend to use these diverse ecosystems at work, even when they're explicitly forbidden from doing so. So they will often include both formal and social technologies in the diverse ecosystem they use to actually be effective, often at quite some scale. So in the NHS, we saw people describing 17 different technologies they use on a daily basis to be effective, 16 of which are not owned by the NHS. So as you can see, there's a pretty heavy bias towards social technologies there. The third piece which is important to consider is the fragmentation of power. So this affects learning in all sorts of ways. The, the dominant way is that organisations can no longer own the only narrative. So they can own a narrative, but authentic voices that speak out from within a system can sometimes prove to be louder. So power is no longer held purely by the organisation. And as we consider more socially collaborative models of learning, we see that moving to social collaboration is not an activity whereby the organisation gets to benefit without a cost. The cost is that the organisation devolves some power into the community itself. And, and this is one of the areas where organisations often trip up. They talk about unlocking the potential of people. They talk about empowerment, but they fail to recognise that if you empower somebody, you have less power yourself. So the question that you need to be asking is, what are you willing to relinquish? What are you willing to give up? Especially with a recognition that when you give something up, the story that you hear back may not be the one you want to hear. Or to put it another way, the move towards socially collaborative models of learning means you may well hear stories that you don't like. So you have to ask yourself if that's really what you want and if you're ready to listen to them with a humility to learn. 
understanding power and the rebalancing gradients of power in the context of the social age is really important to understand learning. The fourth piece on our postcard would be the evolution of knowledge itself. And it's a simplification to say it, but generally we're moving away from formalised and codified knowledge towards more dynamic, adaptive and evolutionary models of knowledge. So knowledge which is being built partly from established wisdom, but substantially from individual experience. Now, you know, you could say, is this knowledge really any good? Well, you know, the answer is sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't, which is pretty much how you could describe historic types of knowledge too. So it might not be as beautifully bound in a book, but that doesn't mean that it's not actually accurate and meaningful. So understanding the mechanisms by which knowledge is created and the mechanisms by which it evolves are really important because in the old model of organisational learning, we just curated knowledge, codified it and gave it out to people. But increasingly, of course, today, learning is about the creation or co-creation of new knowledge, often bringing in local tribal tacit views of the world alongside organisational views. So again, the evolution of knowledge ties in with the fragmentation of power itself. So here's a postcard, just one of a number of postcards we could send about the reality of learning in the social age. And to summarise, we see a rapid iteration of approach from individuals. We see the rapid diversification of technologies. We see a fragmentation of power. And we see the evolution of knowledge itself. The questions that we should be asking ourselves... Well, we should be asking how willing the organisation is to diversify technology. So do we rely on legacy infrastructure? Do we have sandbox environments and contexts in which new technologies can be prototyped? And are you willing to devolve the decision-making about that to the community itself? If we maintain a fiction that people don't use social technologies, or worse, if we try to stop them using it, we'll just drive that wisdom underground. And a second key area to consider is this evolution of knowledge. How will you recognise and reward those people who socially co-create the knowledge? It's not a free gift, but you might not need to pay them in money. You may need to pay them with reputation, with opportunity. Indeed, in our own research, we see that what people want is the ability to experiment and put what they are bringing into practice. (music) 